in about the reality of what we just were singing. Like, one day you're coming back, Lord. I mean, so, and in, in, in the midst of all that, by the way, Lord, you came and you walked this planet. That would be enough if I just stopped and said, you came, you came from heaven and, and you walked with us on earth and you gave your life for us and you demonstrated for us and you sacrificed for us and then ultimately you died for us. And, and I, I love Jesus. In the 12th chapter of the book of John, there's like a single verse that just maps out what we were just singing. And, and it says in chapter 12, verse 32, some interesting words. And putting it in context, Jesus is, Jesus is like talking to a group of Greeks and a, a group of Jewish folks. And he's kind of sharing a little bit with them. And, and he's telling them a little bit about the prediction of his death. And, and he's um, sharing all that. And then all, all of a sudden, while he's sharing, the heavenly hosts break out. And they start talking as well. And they start saying, oh, and here, here's what we want you to know, that he is going to give himself for you. And then, and then Jesus steps back, and I, I love the mission of Christ. I love the passion of Christ. I love the focus of Christ, because he says, you know, just before verse 32, he says, oh, those angels, that, what you just experienced, that wasn't for me, because I'm pretty crystal clear about what I'm here to do, and I know what I'm about. This was, this was for you to hear this, and to hear this from heaven, hear this from me, and, 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 and here's what I want you to know, that when, when I am lifted up, on this earth. I will draw all people. I will draw men, women, children. I will draw people to myself. And so if you're just sitting around and wondering what our mission is, here here is our mission as a church. I know we've got a statement that says we exist to lead people to transform living through Jesus Christ. Here's what I think Jesus was saying in a nutshell. If you as a church will lift me up, I'll do a great job. If you as a church will lift me up, oh glorious day, if you as a church will lift up the cross, if you as a church will lift up who I am, if you as a church will lift up freedom, if you as a church will lift up resurrection to self, to me, so that you could come alive through me, if you as a church will lift up who I am, all that I am, and be all about me, I will draw people to myself. That, that, that would be our mission, is to say among us in a collective we're here, and we agree about this, that the only driving force that doesn't carry on this planet, but that carries for eternity, is Jesus Christ. And that the only thing that should define us, therefore, as a church, as we talk about mission, is Jesus Christ. And what people should really say is, that pastor, he lifts up Jesus. Those songs that that group sings, those vocalists, that choir, that teacher, that church, that group of people... If you wonder what's going on with them, I can't figure it out because all they seem to be about is Jesus. I mean, they're a bunch of Jesus kooks. They are freaking out about Jesus. All they seem to talk about is Jesus because we figured this out. We've kind of figured out that if we lift up Jesus, it's not really incumbent upon us for me to present to you the greatest programming structures of the day or the greatest thoughts that we have of the day. Here's our greatest thought. If we as a staff and as we as a church will say, Jesus Christ, King of glory, glorious day, all to him, all for him, all by him, all through him, all back to him. Oh, wow. I mean, it's going to be a great day. And it's going to be an amazing 2013. And so I, I don't know um, how to be more simple today than this, than to say, um, if we will lift up Jesus Christ, and when he's lifted up on this earth, specifically to this text, 
I believe he was predicting. I don't believe it. He, he tells us he was. I don't even have to interpret this for you. Jesus says, I was telling you this so you could understand how I was going to die. And I think this text gets to be more exciting as you read in context of the entirety of the New Testament. I was telling you this to tell you how I was going to die. I was going to stretch out my arms and die on a cross. I was telling you this also, that not necessarily this moment, but in the overall context of the glorious day, good news gospel. I was telling you this to also tell you that death would not hold me. And that there would be a glorious day when I would resurrect from the dead. And you should probably believe that. And when you're singing that, it should probably stir something in your heart that makes you freak out like the pastor. Because he resurrected. And, and that just changes everything because it's not just, oh, I'm going to stretch out my hands and die, but I'm going to overcome death, hell, and the grave. I'm going to overcome sin. I'm going to set the tables for justification in your life. I am going to redeem you, and I have the ability to make you whole when I am lifted up. And oh, by the way, what I think I want to have happen among my church for the rest of the days is that you spend your days lifting me up. And I'll draw people. And it'll be to me. It will not be to a personality. It will not be to a program. It will not be to a great moment. It will not be how well we do things. Thank God. It will be to an amazing, amazing, amazing Savior. And so um, we, we want to lift him up. I have scripted into my notes, and I'm kind of into a sermon already. But I think as a church, it is just, it is just our priority right now to pause and lift up Jesus Christ. And, and here's what I know about Christ as we lift him up, is that as we lift him up, um, we likewise stand in the gap with our brothers and sisters. And right now, um, there's a pastor that I have yet to meet, but that will ultimately become a friend of mine that is walking through some of the most challenging services in Mandarin right now. Because he's walking through an incredible, catastrophic deal that, that has the ability to quench and grieve the Spirit. And I think it's really our privilege to stop and pause as we talk about lifting up Christ and pray for Christ church. And to just say to God, God, be yourself. Because I've had conversations with our folks, man, what a grieving deal. And, and it is a grieving deal. But what, what we have to stop and say is that, God, we believe Romans eight twenty eight, And we don't believe anything good was going on with the decision making of a student pastor in that church. But we believe that you can work all things together for good to those who love you. And that you can bring a redeeming work in the middle of our church, our fellow church, our sister church. And that, God, you want to do something great among them. And clearly there's an act of Satan coming against them. And so we just want to lift you up right now. And so I think I've already prayed my prayer, but I want to pray it out over us. And I would love for us across this room to just agree. Christ Church has been killing it. I, mean, I don't really care how you feel about it. I, mean, I don't have a feeling about them. I mean, they've, they've grown. They've reached people. The gospel is being presented. Why wouldn't Satan come against them? So why would we not step in and say, Jesus, find great glory? And, and, and why wouldn't we say, Lord, and oh, by the way, however you want to grow this church, grow it through this. And so um, I'll quit talking about it. And Lord, I just turn to you right now as we talk about lifting you up and just, um, God, we understand that you see the body of Christ, not as a church gathered here and the Methodist church next door and Christ church down on 295 and First Baptist downtown. But God, you see us as your church. And so, Jesus, as partners in the gospel of Jesus Christ, your church is hurting right now, but it's very particular to our city. And so, God, I just pray, um, I just, in conversing with my daughters this week, lots of their friends are in this church. And I just pray that right now there is a falling of your presence and your spirit in Christ church this morning that is unprecedented. And, God, I pray that you can take what has been very detrimental this week in the midst of that fellowship. And, God, you can speak through a pastor. You can speak through worship. And, God, you will speak healing into that church. 
And God, I just pray that, that coming out of this, there will be an explosion of the gospel of Jesus Christ that has not happened in that fellowship before, but will happen. Maybe it's, it's happened, but God, it's not happened in the way you desire. And so, Jesus, I pray that you will be glorified in this. I pray for brokenness and repentance. I pray for healing. I pray for restoration. And God, I just pray for a pastor that I hope is a friend one day. God, I pray that you would give him an incredible unction of your spirit today because he needs it and he needs you. And so, God, bring your healing and restoration to our sister church, Christ Church. And we pray this because, God, we understand your church, that, God, we want you lifted up and your name lifted up. And so for the sake of Christ, I pray. And we all agree. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Yeah. And so mission. I just just have a couple of thoughts. And we've had a pretty long day already. And um, I want to just maybe, I don't know how to share these thoughts fast. So I'll just kind of unpack what I can. Here's the fun part about talking about our mission is that um, we can pick right back up next week. So we'll end where we end today. But let's engage for a few minutes just talking about this idea. Lord, if we will lift you up, you'll draw men and women to yourself. And I start to... Overlay that with um, maybe the teaching last week. If you didn't, um, you weren't able to be here last week, it's online. You can listen to that or you can catch up right here in a kind of a quick overview. Like what kind of people literally walk through the earth like Jesus or like Jesus followers or people who preceded Jesus like, well, you can't precede Jesus, but at least on the earth preceded Jesus like David and Saul or David just walking with passion. I mean, what kind of people walk with mission? There's a favorite little fragment of a verse. He walked or she walked with purpose in every step. Just understanding God's put us on this planet and he's put us here for the purpose of his glory to be able to say, God, we exist to lead people somewhere. And we want to lead them and we're going to lead people somewhere. And if it's somewhere, it ought to be to you. And we ought to lift you up. And so, I mean, how do you, how do you gain someone who, who, when every person around them screams for a decision, do something now. Like Saul was in the cave and David is looking at him. And, and, and how does David, when every situation, circumstance, person, peer, invoking the Lord and saying, you should, you should do this, how does he do the absolute antithetical opposite of what everything around is screaming? Maybe the question would be to us, how do we live as a place of purpose? To be a place that says, God, we're lifting up the cross. That's all we're about. And I think it boiled down last week to this, to this very simple equation of, look, David knew who he was. Not because he had this incredible self-ego, not because he thought he was so amazing. David knew who he was biblically, and he knew what the word had spoken about the situation. And, and we, we, we resolve and say, God, we want to lift you up. And a lot of you amen that. You like that until we start to say, so let's line our lives up and start to ask, when everything around us screams for an action antithetical to the word, will we stand firm? And and we will when we know the word of God and say, God, that's what guides us. That defines our reaction in this circumstance because we know also the outcomes we want. The only outcome that we want of this church, if you can wrap your heart around this mission, is that all glory to Jesus Christ. And when we start to weigh our decisions and we start to sit and park and say, which way should we glow? Should I do this or that? We could, that's a good statement. It means to. Which way should we go? But which way will we glow? God, should I go here or should I go here? Should I be about that? Here's the question we should ask. God, what outcome will bring you glory? All glory to God on this planet. And so, God, as I start to look at this, what outcome? Because people who walk with mission and purpose and step, I mean, they understand that, that the outcomes are 
um, you know, what we are doing and our mission is determined by what outcome we long for. And when the passion of our heart is to lift up Jesus Christ on this earth, knowing that all men, women, and children will be drawn to him, we just, we just, become, we just become ignited by that. Or we start to say, you know, God, where's the story that I want to tell? And it's not a story that I want to tell tomorrow. It's a story that I want to tell 10 years from now. It's a story that I want to tell sitting around with my grandkids at my feet and saying, God, this, the word has guided me. Your glory has defined me. And the mission of my life is to say 25 years down the road, if I'm on this planet, here's the stories I want to script out about you. that's, That's where we start to think long and say, how do you get How do you gain this living? And I think a lot of us cop out and say, great biblical story. Nice story about David last week, Pastor. It was found in, was it 1 Samuel 24, if you want to read about it, weren't here last week. It's the story of David and Saul. And David just, against every tide of the moment, stood as a glorifying one of the Savior. He lifted high God on this earth. And we're still talking that story. And you just look and say, yeah, but you don't understand the context of our day. You know, you don't understand the pressures that we're under. You don't understand what's going on in our day. Pastor, you don't understand. I love the stories when people are like sweating, especially around, around the political season when we're all sweating the downfall of America and, you know, where we're all going and that, you know, yada, yada. Just, I'm, I want to elaborate because I'll offend half of you, but just, you know, what's going to happen? Well, I don't know. But here's what I know that in the middle of the New Testament church, Nero was taking Christians and he was lighting them aflame in the midst of his parties and I haven't seen that happen in our government yet. But I know that in the middle of that New Testament church it was thriving and saying, we're going to lift up Jesus in the middle of a political climate so you think your day was bad? Go to the New Testament church. And they're just kind of going around and saying, we're not really leaning in to the government. We're leaning in to lifting up Jesus Christ because he will draw all men and women to himself. And that's what we want to be about. And, and, and this is where they landed. The outcome, we think, it might cost us our life. Eleven of the twelve disciples who went and hid, this is a catalyst for my personal faith, eleven of the twelve disciples who were hiding at the cross were, were, were martyred for their faith. The twelfth parked himself on Patmos and lived on an island in isolation, ultimately landing and dying in Ephesus. It's John. And by the way, when he was on the island, he wrote a pretty remarkable revelation. And so I, I'm just, I, I, I don't look and say, oh, you know, we, you don't understand our day. We couldn't live in it. I mean, look, some of, some of you are saying, how do I stand firm against the tide of everything that's going? Do you know that in the New Testament church, temple prostitution in the non-Christian church was the typical church growth mode? And they're, they're going in, come and give your life for Jesus and die. And the other church growth strategy was, we've got temple prostitutes over here. And so we're going, you don't understand, Pastor, you don't understand, Mark, you don't understand what we're going on. You don't understand the the, the pull of the day. You don't understand the call of the day. You don't understand the norm of the day. Well, let me just take you back to the New Testament church when they were saying, God, have you spoken? What outcome do we want? What story do you want to tell? If we started talking about Corinth, I would have to clear the room. It would be R-rated. And this is where the church was stepping in. If we start talking about the New Testament era and where they were going, I don't want you to cop out and say, you just don't know what we're under at Mandarin High School. You just don't know what we're facing in our work of art. Nobody's marriage is staying together today. Yeah, I know. But what has the word already spoken? What outcome do you want? Not what outcome are we looking at around all the people? Because I'm looking for the glory of God among us. And this is a we. Because we exist and this is a we. This is a we sermon. 
So we're in here saying, oh God, in this context, in this environment, in this city, in this Mandarin, in this high school, in my work environment, inside my house, you gain glory. Because this is what I want to be about. Because here's what I get in John 12, 32, Lord, that if I lift you up and I lift you up and I lift you up, it probably won't look like the norm of the day. It's probably... It possibly could cost me my life. And I hate the cop out. Pastors say that in America, but not really. No, maybe it will. Maybe it will, because maybe it will call you to some other nation where you actually lay down as a martyr for the sake of the gospel. And there's no greater joy, no greater promise than the hope of heaven. And I don't know that we believe that, because some of you are grimacing right now. But maybe it will cost you a lot. And we look and say, but the greater outcome is the glory of God carrying on for generations and generations and generations. So for this light and momentary moment, this little deal that I have on this planet, God, you gain glory in me. For some of us in high school saying, God, you really, can I make these decisions in the middle of the, of the, the you know, all the mess going on? Yeah, because one day you're going to stand before your bride and the living God is going to look down on that moment and say, what incredible favor. Thank you, student. Thank you for standing in and being radically different because here's the outcome. And it's just blessed. So we start to ask questions. I'll come back to this a zillion times. Has God's word spoken about something? What outcome do you want? And what story do we want to tell as a church from generation to generation to generation? To say, God, find glory among us. Be glorified among us because we exist. This is going to be my theme verse, to lift up Jesus. And I know the statement is there, and we're not going to abdicate this statement. We exist to lead people to transform living through Jesus Christ. We exist to lift up Jesus. And, 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 and I, the only thing I'm talking about, and I probably haven't been explicit with this, the only thing I'm talking about is the first word today, we. It's got to be a we here. I'm like a one-word guy. You're gonna, when we get into Colossians, oh my goodness, it'll take 17 years to walk through that because I get lost in the word we. We corporately are wrapping our hearts around. Here's the, here's the reality. I mean, I, I love this, but until we all get on board with God, unless the Bible has been clear about this, I'm not compromising. God, unless, unless all of us are on board with this, God, your glory among us. Your glory among us. That's what we long for. Unless we all get on board with this, then, then I, I, this is a whole other sermon, but we, we begin as a body to quench and grieve the Spirit of God. And, we, and that's the last thing we want to do, right? I mean, that's the last thing we want to do. We want to look at the Lord and say, Lord, you be most glorified among us, to quote John Piper, because we have been most satisfied in you. Our lives are full of you. We love what you're about. And so we, we just stop and say, God, we want to lift you up. And as we do that, I mean, we have this mission, this vision. This, vis, this vision is like, God, we think worship and communion service is going to be amazing among us. And we want that to happen. We want to serve. I mean, here's some things I think it will mean for us over the next year. And just in fairness, I mean, we, we um, have this mission and vision statement. We exist to lead people to transform living through Jesus Christ. You should know that. If you don't know it yet, memorize it by next week. That'd be great. Because we exist for that. This is your church. You should know that. And I mean, somebody says, what are you guys about? You should say, I mean, dude, if you want to come and join with us, we're leading people to transform living. And it's not just anything. We're not transforming into a, you know, something weird or cool. We're just transforming into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what we're about. 
and, and, and that's going to look like worship communion. So, I mean, that's going to look like a group of people who love the Word of God. I mean, it's going to look like a group of people who are asking great questions about the Word of God. It's going to look like a group of people who break it off in conversations all over the city or texting each other, Facebooking each other, and saying, man, I have been reading this. I love my friend Steve, and he says, I have just started a Facebook deal for all of us reading through the Bible in a year. So I'm, like, I'm not even in there yet, Steve, and I've got to get there today. But, you know, we're kind of walking through the Bible so a group of people can connect in your little social world. You, I mean, we're just having these conversations saying, God, your word is alive among us. That's, that's what a vision looks like. It looks like the word of God alive. It looks like a commitment to multiplying disciples. It looks like a whole church. We... All of us saying, God, you placed me here to lead somebody toward you. It looks like partnering with families. We talked about Ryan Ship. He will fail if he comes in and ministers only to our students. He will succeed when he comes in and looks at you, Mom and Dad, and says, you are the primary disciple of your children. And you are going to lead them somewhere. Lead them to Jesus. And he partners up with Mom and Dad and creates an incredible environment here and just grows them. That's what it looks like. It looks like relationships among the family that says, we love each other as much as we love Jesus. This is what it would look like among a church. If we really say we're about community, this is what we're really about, it would mean that nobody would disparage anybody among us. The minute somebody started talking about another brother, you would stop and go, seriously? Man, I love him as much as I love Jesus. And if we're going to work this out, we're going to do this together. So let me take you straight to them. Because we don't tolerate that. Because we're for one another, and it's a passion of our heart. That's what this vision would look like. It would look pretty exciting. I mean, we'll get a, a true joy of coming alive. If we start to think about serving, it wouldn't be a pastoral saying, but literally in three or four minutes, people would say, thank God they left because the hungry are being fed. Those who are moving here are being cared for. Those who came from Burma found a family that would love them. Those who were in the ILC would learn how to speak English. They would learn how to acclimate to America, and they would learn who Jesus Christ is, and they would be radically saved. I mean, that's those kind of things. I mean, we'll just be going 1145, the best hour, the hungry in the city. They'll be hungry no more. That's, that's, that's what serving looks like among a group of people who are passionate about the things of Jesus Christ. Every believer in this church will say, I've got a mission in ministry. This is what I'm about. When you look at each other, I mean, there will be eyes that are alive. Going, man, did you know the preschooler just memorized 23 fractions of verses last week? Well, if they did that, that'd be amazing for a preschooler. But if they did that in a semester... And I was memorizing with them. You look at them and say, I just, I got to sit across from a fourth grader as they walked into the story of God. Me and their mom and dad were in the room. Tears were flowing. It was amazing. Look over at Camille and say, look, 11 women on Friday were sitting. And after 13 weeks, they're more in love with God than I've ever seen them. And I'm alive for this. Every one of you ought to have stories like that. If you want to get this collective, we, let's stop talking about it and thinking about it. And most of the ones, this is a, Good Max Lucado thought. Max Lucado always says, you know what? If you're not rowing, you're rocking. And most of you that are rocking in this church, in other words, we're not moving forward. It's because you're doing nothing except complaining about other people. So why don't you stop that, pick up some oars, and you will find you have no time to complain. And so every person in this church on mission for the sake of God, are you kidding me? I mean, that would be, that would be revolution. And that's just Jesus, when he is lifted up, will draw all men and women to himself. 
he will find great glory in his church and among his people. And that's just a conviction. The mission of the church should be something that convicts our hearts, catalyzes our action, and grabs our minds. And we just say, God, I love what you're doing, and I want in the middle of it. It's a we. Can we agree with that? I mean, God, I want, I mean, if, if you can be lifted up, I want to be in that. That's the mission. That's just, that's just for clarity. The only clarity we have today is this, that if we will lift up Jesus Christ, he will draw men and women to himself. He will draw children to himself. He will draw them and it will be powerful. I love what I said last week and I think I can actually do this in like five minutes. And so I'm giving you a five minute warning. Um, I love what we talked about last week. David and Saul. David and Saul were in this moment, and, and here's what um, I shared last week. I said, you know, uh, in the middle of this deal, this doesn't happen by the greatest emotional decisions. This doesn't happen by the herd mentality or what everybody else is doing. This is what's required. It's required a brokenness toward the things of God among this church. It's required of us saying, God, we're broken about writing our own stories. We're tired of our story. Our story is lame. We want a bigger story than what we're scripting right now. And so we're starting to write your story, God, your narrative, God. It is the only epic story. God, we're tired of the outcomes. We have tried and tried and tried and tried. And the outcomes that we keep getting are not for you. But mainly because, God, the things we've been pursuing have not been a a part of your word. So, God, we're broken by this. And, and here's, what, here's what I would say. A lot of us have followed the herd mentality, the best wisdom of the day, or the best thoughts of our Jesus friends. Now, you've got to keep in mind, you've got to keep in mind that David was surrounded by brothers in Christ who had been at war with him. And I know you're going to stop and say, hi, Jesus wasn't there. Jesus was in the Old Testament. He was there. If you believe Jesus is the Son of God, he was, he was you know, however the amazing Trinity works. But David was, was sitting surrounded by God-following friends. And they were all telling him terrible advice. You know, antithetical to the scripture. And I, I think the question that I would ask is, do you actually think that we operate in a bubble as a church? That there's no herd mentality or the best thoughts of the day or this, you know, this is what I've always done. I've, I've always read that version or sung that way or listened to that instrument and There's a herd mentality among the church, and unfortunately in the herd mentality, a lot of times Jesus gets left out. We get comfortable with what we like, and when we trade our comfort out for the gospel of Jesus Christ, we traded the vitality of the church. And I'm talking to all of us. When we start going, this is is what what I'm comfortable with. You know what? Here's what I don't care. I don't care what you're comfortable with. Here's what I care. As your pastor, I care that we are lifting up Jesus Christ. I want to tell you about the church I grew up in, and you should hear this. It, it was, I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I grew up in Mulberry Baptist Church. And uh, Mulberry Baptist Church was the best growing up experience in my life. I, I get tired of the preacher's kid stories. Man, I loved church. I, if I could get there, I lived there. I loved everything about it. I used to sharpen pencils for my dad on Fridays. I would, anything I could do, I, could, I would climb to the top of the steeple and look out over the road, you know, make sure that the highway, Little Rock Road, was running well. I mean, I, if you could explore it, I explored it. I loved church. And, and you know why I love church? Because I was with a bunch of people who love church. I didn't love church because my dad was a great preacher, although he was. I didn't love church because the music was great. It was. I didn't love church because I loved church because the deacons of that church, every time I would walk in, A, they had candy in their pocket, which I love that about them. 
But B, but B, I would see them. They would be at my dad's house, and they would be, they wouldn't be over there laughing. They would be on their knees praying. Or I, I love I love our deacons when they would dig the pit. This was always cool. I can even tell you, looking over, I could start describing the scenario for it. When they would dig the pit, and, and four or five hours, probably throughout the night, leading up to us letting out of church, they would have the pig just rolling. And we would just walk out, and the whole church would be laughing. Everybody in the church would be laughter and joy. This was one of the first mega churches in, the, in, in history. It was back in the 70s before that kind of thing happened. And just, you know why? Because we were lifting up Jesus, and people kept being drawn to him. I mean, I remember sitting in youth rallies. We had these citywide, or actually statewide youth rallies. We had people like, uh, what was the comedian out of Mississippi that was so funny? He, he rolled in. Jerry Clower was in there one time. I, just, I remember like laughing until I cried. Uh, we had a, a very Christ-centered comedian, because Jerry Clower is a little bit edgy on sometimes, but another, um, what was his name? Anyway, we had, the, I mean, our, our students, it would be packed with a thousand plus students in the room just going off before God. I remember as a kid. I remember as a kid, and, and this is what I, I long for us to teach the kids, and I don't want us to manufacture it. I just remember as a kid, most of the adults in our church moving out of their seats into the altar, and I didn't understand it, but I moved with it. I remember, I remember adults all the way down the aisle, and I would come out, and I, just, I would sit, and I would be kneeling. I didn't fully get what they were doing. I just knew they were passionate. They wanted God to move. And they were just like, God, do something among us. We're not satisfied. I, we, I remember um, going to camp, and, uh, and, and this inevitably became our song, you know, It Only Takes a Spark. It only takes a spark to get a fire. You know, the, I didn't sound like that around the fire either. And so um, <laughs> soon all those around will warm up and it's glowing. That's how it is with God's love. And I mean, then you had all these things, praise God, and all that stuff going in it. Anybody have that experience? And we would, we would like, the panda would pass, and everybody would be joking. I remember, I could start naming names. I won't name them because we're on the web. But I mean, start naming, I remember a dude pulling a bunch of weed out of his stuff and laying it at the altar. And just bringing it forward. This was the 70s. Keep that in mind, folks. And so, I mean, remember them just having life change. And this, the Jesus movement was going on. It was awesome. I mean, people would repent of stuff. And they were broken of stuff. I remember sitting at church Sunday after Sunday. Just, you know, we did these musicals. And they were awesome. And then, and then um, we would have, typically on a nighttime, this is when this would go off. And this is when a lot of people would head down front. You remember the song, Alleluia? Some of you don't like repeating. I mean, you would not have liked our church. Because we sang Alleluia, and then this is what would happen. You know, Alleluia, Alleluia. That was like the Jesus song of the 70s. And so when they were singing, people would start writing songs into it. Like somebody would sing, Lord, we love you, and everybody would join him. And it would go on and be going for an hour, at least for me as a kid, because we were going to Godfathers. I was like, stop the singing. Stop it now. You know, and, and I, I mean, I just, I mean, it would go on, and people would flood the aisle. I remember a favorite singing night, and I would always raise, I meant to look this up, and the go-to hymns, I, I did only, only takes a spark, and also um, the old rugged cross, that was, I was always like, my hands up, can we sing that? that that's awesome, and here, that, that was just my little, I would, it would take everything I had, because I was shy, and be like, number 437, sing it, and I would just go, yes! You know what I don't sit around and think? I don't sit around and think, if we would just sing It Only Takes a Spark, that Jesus would move. If this church would just sing Hallelujah, 
It would be awesome. If, if we would just have the kids sing, don't miss this and don't amen me too fast, okay? If we would just do some things like we did. Here's what I don't want to happen at Mandarin. I don't want to do something I did in 1975. Here's what I do want to have happen. I want to be surrounded by a bunch of mission-minded people in 2012 who look at each other and say, it's 2013 now, how do we become relevant in this generation. But more than that, how do we free Jesus to be himself among us? Not something he did in the past, but what he wants to do today, right here, right now, among us for the next generation and our generation. And that's, that. I, I, some of us, and I know, and I'm heading toward that age, some of us are saying, but we would rather do what we did. Can I just set this as a challenge? Because it's a challenge to me. I would rather lift up Jesus Christ. And I would rather that the gospel permeated and penetrated the darkest places of Mandarin, of Haiti, of Guatemala, of Africa, than I would have my preferences. And that's our mission. I'm going to run with this for a while, and I just want to show you something, and I don't have time to unpack it, so this is coming next week. But when you got to the churches, and some of you are going, I don't like anything you just said. And once again, I love you, and I love Jesus more. And here's, here's what I love when, when um, you, I mean, you have moments throughout the Scripture like this. If, if you're sitting and going, Lord have mercy, all the stuff we like is about to go. Now look, Peter and, Peter and Paul had this. I mean, Peter and Paul, Peter was saying, but we've always done this. And Paul's saying, but the Gentiles are going nuts for the gospel. And Peter said, but I don't, I'm not comfortable. And they actually had a quorum where they just sat and they processed. This isn't, this isn't a, oh, woe is you, and this is going to be awful. This is a, we must gather around this reality. If we will lift up Jesus Christ, he will draw men and women to ourselves. That's the gathering point. If we will lift up Jesus and say, God, we want you to be glorified. When, when um, the churches were being described in the Old Testament, and I'm just going to talk about this and then close. The, the, the churches, actually in the book of Revelation, we've already talked about John a little bit. The church's primary role is to turn on a light. That's our primary role. If I could just say to you in, in, in summary today, the primary job that we have as a body of believers is to turn on a light. When, when in Revelation, the seven churches were talked to and talked about, they were always described as a, look, you got a cheater up front. I mean, so, so somebody can answer that. They were described as a lampstand. Their job was to turn on a light. That's what they were about. Anybody, anybody in that day... In, in, in the book of Revelation, anybody in the seven churches would have said immediately, we understand what you're talking about. Because the lampstand was an Old Testament reality, an Old Testament truth, and this could take hours. So let me just be very summary here. In the Old Testament, it was, the lampstand was literally placed in the midst of the tabernacle, and the point of it was to say, there is a presence here, and we are going to keep this presence lit. I mean, in fact, uh, there, there would be a priest that were there at all times to assure that the light never went out. And I love this because beneath the lampstand, beneath the lampstand, they just had one thing. 
And I think this is absolutely amazing and absolutely a challenge for our fellowship because the shoe bread would be beneath the lampstand. And it said, here's what we're about. Our job as a church is to turn on a light. But it's not to turn on a light for a lot of things. It's not to turn on a light for our preferences. It's not to turn on a light for our politics. It's not to turn on a light for our persuasion. The, the, the job that we have in the midst of the heated moment of worship, in the midst of the greatest place in the Old Testament worship, is to, is to illuminate the shoe bread. That's our job. We're to turn on the light. And we're to stop and say, and this, this is so beautiful, if we will lift up Jesus Christ, and that's what we'll be known for, men and women and children will be drawn to him. And here's what, here's what the Lord kept saying to John to say to the churches, you're blowing it. In your strategies, in your thoughts, in your theology, in your love, you have drifted to go with the church at Ephesus we'll talk about next week. You have drifted from your first love. And I am calling you back to what I have called you to illuminate. As a church of Jesus Christ, here's what I want you to be about. Here is your mission. You are to turn on a light. And when people talk about Mandarin, they should talk about Jesus. The only thing that we are to show off is Christ. The only thing we are... I will remove your lampstand, says the Lord, and go, oh my goodness, when you see running. I will take it out because you're choosing to illuminate the wrong things. But when, but when I am lifted up and I am illuminated, I will draw men and women and children to myself and I will redeem them for the hope of heaven. And so we've got a mission here. We, we do. I'm just, I'm just praying that we will fulfill it. That we will live it. That we'll be passionate for it. And that we will walk with unequivocal clarity about this. The only role we have is to illuminate him. How do we do that, God? I don't know. Speak to us through your word. How do we do that, God? God, you're is what we long for. How do we do that? God, the stories that we want to write about Mandarin will be stories of a great and mighty God who is a great and mighty Savior, who is a great and mighty Redeemer, who has been great and mighty among us. That's our prayer. Jesus, I pray that as a church, we will lift you up and that you will draw men and women to yourself. God, I pray that you will just, um, God, I pray that you will convict us and compel us. God, I pray that the bread of your presence will be what we feast on. And God, I pray that we will not lose our effectiveness, but God, we will, we will be passionate for you in this city and to the nations. Jesus, I pray that you will have freedom among us to convict our hearts, to transform our lives, and to make yourself well-known. It's for the hope of the gospel that I pray, that I have hope, and that we share. Amen. Amen, amen. And we're going to sing a